Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com. Today I'm taking your questions on making a two liter fast, problems installing an exhaust, transmission issues, and more. This is episode 212 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. If you want to get a question on a show like this, be sure to email me, charles at HumbleMechanic.com. Put question for Charles in the subject. Ask the question right at the top, mash the enter button, and then give me some details with your question. Just please put the question right at the top so I know what your question is while I'm reading the details. Also, if you don't see your question on a show like this, be sure to check out the quick videos playlist on YouTube where I do one question per video. And hey, if you want to listen only to the show, you can download the audio version on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google, or listen to it on the blog at HumbleMechanic.com. All of those are there for you. Just click the audio tab over on the blog and it'll take you right there. All right, let's talk about the sponsor of the day, which is CRP Automotive. CRP deals in a ton of OE maintenance and repair parts, timing belt kits, suspension components, and even fluids. In fact, they make the factory DSG fluid for Volkswagen and Audi. So check them out at crpautomotive.com. Speaking of CRP, I will be in their booth at the Apex show right along with SEMA on Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning of next week. I'll be doing two presentations as well as just being there hanging out, answering any questions you might have. We'll be talking about common two-liter turbo failures, as well as really the need for an aftermarket shop to at least consider buying an OEM scan tool. I don't know that it's a make or break thing, but boy, can it make life easier if you're an independent shop. Head over on Tuesday or Wednesday, come say hi, say what up, ask me any questions you'd like. Did I just get my beard trimmed a little while ago? The answer would be yes. Come hang out, it'll be a good time. Again, that's the CRP booth on the Apex side of the SEMA Apex show. And remember, if you wanna help support the show, get a bunch of discounts, there's links to do all of that stuff down in the description. I won't go any longer in the intro today because I wanna get right into your questions. First one comes from Merit. Hey Charles, love the channel. Was wondering, how can I make my two point slow a two point whoa? Uh, some people would say that it already is a two point whoa, like whoa, this thing is slow. But it's a great question, so what are you gonna do? This two liter, this the ABA, the AEG, the AVH, on up to even the newest one, the, the engine's been around forever. How are you going to make it fast or more powerful? Well, it's not gonna be cheap. It's not gonna be easy, but there's two big ways to do it. And it really ends up being one big way, and that's forced induction, turbocharger or supercharger. The old AEG uh, new speed, I think, made a supercharger kit for, which was pretty cool. You could just bolt it on. I've driven one. It wasn't really that impressive, in my opinion, for how much money. I guess we'll just leave it at how much money it would cost to add that supercharger. But there is a lot of people that have, over time, turbocharged the ABA engine codes. So ABA is going to be, I think, 93, uh, honestly, up to 2002 Cabrio. So it spanned a long time of, uh, of cars and through a lot of different models as well. They were turbocharging it. If you were to turbocharge a newer generation, it would be different. The, the tuning's gonna be different, of course. The nuts and bolts, honestly, are probably not that different. If you're running an intercooler, your intercooler piping is going to be different. But really, even if you put a cam in it, even if you, you know, put an exhaust in it and an intake on it, those things may add a little bit of power and they may make the car more fun to drive, but it's not gonna blow the doors off or anything like that. It's just going to make it feel more peppy. Uh, open it up a little bit, as as they call it, more air in, more air out, right? Uh, so that's those are really the options. Um, I mean, you could put a hundred shot of nitrous on it, probably once, maybe twice, and uh, really have a lot of fun with it. But then you know you're you're melting engine components at that point. So this is an easy one. 
turbocharge it if you want it to go fast. I will tell you, depending on the vintage, and, and Merritt didn't say what kind of car this actually was, it may actually be cheaper to remove the two liter and drop in something like a 1.8, a VR, a two liter turbo, something like that. You're going to get probably more horsepower per dollar spent doing that than you will trying to make this engine go fast. Now you could also look at, you know, uh, Frankenstein engines, which is a two liter block and a 1.8 turbo head, turbocharging it that way. That'll save you some money. Uh, there's, there's an infinite number of options only limited by your creativity, your skill in building things like this, in mechanicking is what really almost came out of my mouth. Um, and the, the really the biggest limiting factor to most everybody's project car or engine build, uh, money. That's the big one. It's, it's going to come down to money. How much money do you got to spend? Because, boy, you could make that thing super fast, right? You could probably put 700 horsepower to it if you got the money. And odds are it's not going to be very drivable or street legal. So good question and um, make it go fast, man. I think it's cool. I like trying to make the OE engine fast before dumping something else in there. But you have to weigh the pros and cons of all of that. And really, I would say the best advice I would have right here, put down on paper what your goal for the car is and then build it out from there. Because if you just go in blind, willy-nilly style, uh, you're probably going to spend a lot more money than you wanted to, and you may not come out with something that is exactly what you're looking for. All right, next one up is from Josh. He's got a B7A4 S-Line with front track and a six-speed option, so I'm assuming the front track is just front-wheel drive. Last few months, he's been getting a code P2096. So for those of us that may not be super versed in what engine coding means, the P2096 code is a post-catalyst fuel trim system to lean. So it's seeing too much air, not enough fuel, behind the catalytic converter. Uh, the car is modified. It's got an 034 Motorsport gutted downpipe, full custom catback exhaust with a Magnaflow muffler, as well as Unitronic Stage 2. Josh is unable to find the cause, thinking it could be an N80 or something in the purge, uh, doing everything I can to avoid going to a shop. Okay, so Josh, Josh put a little bit more information, um, but I'll, I'll keep it a little bit short. You have a lean situation behind the catalytic converter. So if we were looking at the engine being here, the downpipe being here, the catalytic converter being here, and an O2 sensor being, you know, somewhere over here. This O2 sensor, this one, the post-cat downstream is the one seeing the problem. I would almost bet money that you have an exhaust leak. Um, this is actually really common when the clamps get worn out or are not tight enough. They will actually scavenge fresh air and pull fresh air into the exhaust stream and that'll lean out that post-catalytic converter measurement. This may also be an issue with the tune. Um, you, you know, it's, it's Unitronic Stage 2. Unitronic's real good with their tunes, so I don't think that's what's going on, and I surely wouldn't jump to that right away. What I would do is I would lift the car up, I would get under there, and I would just take a wrench and make sure all the exhaust is tight, because my gut says, Josh, that you have a loose clamp somewhere near the rear O2, even if it's behind, it can, it does weird things, and I don't quite know how to explain why a leak here would cause this sensor to get squirrely. It could be a temperature issue where it's in the radius of that oxygen sensor. Um, I, I would make sure that's all perfect 100% before I spent a nickel on getting this car fixed. If from out of the engine all the way to the end, to the tailpipe, to the tip of the exhaust is perfect and tight, no leaks, 
Um, then the next thing I would possibly look at is the downstream O2, but typically those downstream O2s are really, really good. They don't have many issues aside from maybe heater failure. You mentioned it's it's tuned. You know what what is the rear O2 looking for? Is it looking for the OE numbers? Your downpipe is gutted, which means you don't have a catalytic converter. So perhaps it's just too much airflow across the rear O2. Perhaps we need to pull the exhaust, uh, pull the O2 sensor out of the exhaust stream a little. Some people use the spark plug anti-fouler. Some people use the little elbow that like 42 draft cells uh, to to pull that downstream O2 out of the exhaust a little bit and fudge the numbers, <laughs> dieselgate the numbers a little bit uh, to make the ECM and uh, a little bit happier. That may be another option, but dude, first things first, make sure your exhaust is tight. Something else you can do is take a block of wood with a towel on it and hold it over the tailpipes and have someone listen for an exhaust leak because you may be getting a leak that you're not hearing until you almost pressurize the exhaust system. So I would always take like two rags, put them on a two by four and hold it as tight as I could. Or if it's dual exit, you know, get, get another buddy and uh, hold it and try and block the exhaust flow out. And that'll make any kind of exhaust leak, even if it's a tiny one, really obnoxious. You'll hear it almost right away. Uh, I like to always just kind of walk underneath the car with my ear like this and make sure, or you can even take your hand, just be really careful and feel, you know, feel around the joints for any exhaust gas coming out. That's probably the two or three things I would do, but I'm gonna bet that you have a clamp loose or something like that. So hopefully it's a super easy fix and it doesn't cost you any time away or money. All right, next one up from Scott O2Beetle, GLS 2.0 automatic, having trouble with the auto lock system. A technician was changing my AC system he had the vehicle running and opened the driver's door three times. The fourth time it locked itself. Other times I have locked the vehicle with the fob at night and in the morning it unlocks itself. I understand that the comfort module controls the door lock system. My question is, can I plug a CCM from a wrecked Beetle or does it require programming? Love the show. Thanks, Scott. Uh, if you got, Scott, if you got the exact year model and exact trim Beetle, it probably will be fine. Just plugging it in. Um, there are a handful of different coatings for convenience modules, depending on equipment, you know, with the Beetle, did it have a sunroof? Does it have the auto spoiler? Is it a convertible? Yours is an O2, so it's not a convertible. Probably wouldn't want one out of a convertible. That might be different, although I'm not 100% sure. All that being said, if you plug it in and test it, it, this portion of the convenience module will probably work just fine. But before you do that, Man, that, it could be a CCM problem, a comfort convenience module problem. It's more likely a door lock module problem. The door lock modules on that vintage of Volkswagen and going forward uh, were not the greatest, right? Gosh, I put hundreds of, hundreds of door latches in, in VWs over the years. In fact, the left, or sorry, the right rear door on my Passat, the one, of course, like the kid sits at, uh, the kiddo sits at, is is starting to fail. So sometimes it won't open from the outside. You have to reach in and unlock it, and of course we have the child locks on, and then open it from the outside. So Scott, latch failure, the actual piece that latches the door shut has the electronics in it. Um, that is way more common, way more common than a convenience module failure. What I would probably do is find someone local with VAGCOM or get OBD11 or something like that, check the faults of the convenience module. You'll probably see like an implausible signal to the door lock module. It's almost, it's not like every time, 
almost a dead giveaway that you have a bad door latch. The other thing, and it's much less common, check the wiring in the door boot. Uh, I did a video on the Mark Fives, which was ultra, like all of them do it, right? Um, but the Beatles weren't nearly as bad. Actually, most Mark IVs were pretty good about it, minus the, uh, the wagons with the, the B-pillar door connectors. Those were pretty bad about corroding. But they're, they're pretty good about doing that, but you can just pull the boot back and take a quick look. If you wanted to, go to the salvage yard, get a convenience module, get a driver's door latch, hope the driver's door latch worked, plug them in. The convenience module kind of sucks to get to. The door latch is super easy. Uh, in fact, I did, if you, if you go to the playlist of salvage yard tips that I did, i uh, show you exactly how to do most of those repairs, or at least how to get to the door latch anyway. So check that out, dude. I'm not 100% sure on this one. It could go either way, but if you have not replaced that door latch, I would do that first. Think of the abuse that door latch takes. That's the driver's door, so it's the door always opened and closed. So I would do the latch most likely first, um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the convenience module is bad. There's a million write-ups out there on how to do that door latch, which is why I haven't done one, because, well, they're already out there, and a lot of people did a really great job writing up how to do those. It's super easy. All right, last one of the day comes from Zach. I have an 03 Passat Wagon 28V6. Oh, that's a manual transmission. That's cool. Uh, cool line fitting is broken. I've located the fitting to the rubber hose behind the engine. I don't have the best line of sight where I can tell where it all goes, but it looks like it comes from the heater core and runs over to the driver's side. The fitting is directly behind the driver's side head, and from a little research, I think I found the previous coolant leaks from the O-rings, but I can't tell if it's that hose that's broken or another hose. I'm hoping you can help me out name the part and help me track it down. Any pointers on how to make this repair? Looks like I'll have to pull the intake to replace the O-rings. So if that's my only course of action to get to this fitting, then I will try to make sure I take care of everything while I'm in there. A side question of same car, I've replaced the valve cover gaskets, but still have a small oil leak. Is there anything else that I'm missing I didn't find in my previous research of this issue? Since I'm here, what is a good place to get parts on quality machine shop in Raleigh? I'm about to build an AMB 18 from an Audi. Okay, let's do the machine shop first. Tehoff is a place we used at the dealership all the time. They're fantastic. That's not who rebuilt the head on the VR, but I can't for the life of me remember who that company is. So I'm just going to say Tehoff. Uh, they can get you parts. If you're looking for uh, aftermarket stuff, you can go to Apex Tuning. You can go to Black Forest. Both of those guys, good friends of the show. Um, for parts from the dealership, I would go to the carry store and ask for Hendrick. He's the dude I go to for, uh, for all my parts. So he's, he's my main dude over at the dealership that I used to work at. Uh, he can help you out with whatever, which brings us kind of around to your coolant question. Um, go to the dealership and they can show you an exploded diagram of all the parts and anything you think you might have to replace, replace it. There is a metal cross pipe. You probably don't have to replace that, but I've seen those so oxidized and corroded and built up with junk that unless you're like gonna sandblast it and refinish it and get it perfect, that they almost always leak even after new seals. So keep that in mind um, when you're replacing all this stuff. If it were me going in there and having to pull the manifold, get all that crap from the back of the engine off, I would be doing all of that as well. I would be doing the coolant flange, um, that houses the ECT, any hoses back there because, you know, they're old. That's an 03, so it's 14 years. They're pretty old. You also mentioned you have an oil leak. Where is this leak coming from? The odds are either now or at some point in the life of this car, it's leaked onto those coolant hoses or flange or fittings or something down behind the head. Oil makes coolant hoses swell up. 
right? Uh, it makes plastic very weak and brittle and easily, easily, sometimes you just have to look at it and it feels like it breaks. So I would go to the dealership purely, even if you don't want to buy it there, go to the dealership so you can see the really nice exploded diagram and they will get you dialed in with all the parts that you need to, to get that. But if I'm going all that in, man, I'm replacing it all. I know it sucks. It's probably going to be expensive, but it's sure better than having to do it a second time and a third time and a fourth time. As for the oil leak, the most common is the valve cover gaskets. Um, on the driver's side, the cam adjuster gasket is at the front side of the head, so that's probably not leaking back behind, but on the passenger side, it's back behind, so that could be another source of your leak on the passenger side. There's also two cam caps at the back of the head that those leak all the time too. It's a black metal cap that has a rubber coating on it that basically just pops in um, underneath that final bearing bridge, and uh, that those leak a lot too. Those are super easy to get out. You just Take a, take a pry bar, whack it with a hammer, it bends it, pushes it out, put a little bit of RTV in it and tap it right in, it'll go right in. It's super, super easy. Uh, and then the uh, cam position sensor is the other one that it could be coming from if it's all top side of the cylinder head. Valve cover, don't forget the spark plug well gasket, that can cause leaks and it'll actually fill the spark plug well up and then leak out. That's uh, not as common to come out of the <laughs> out of the spark plug well, at least not before some pretty intense drivability problems, but that could happen as well. So you may be doing, and you may be going coolant leak, you may be going oil leak. If you're going that far in, it may be worth pulling the valve cover, pulling that back cam bearing cap, doing the plug, doing the seal for the cam position sensor. They are a little easier with the valve cover off, and that valve cover is super, super easy to take off. So, uh, dude, I hope that helps. I know, I wish I had like pictures of all that stuff. I could show you this, 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 this. Unfortunately, if we're talking 1.8 turbo, I might be able to do that a little bit better for you. But on the V6, I just don't have a repertoire of pictures in order to show you all that stuff. You're gonna have to start taking components off in order to really fully appreciate the severity of what you got going on behind there. It could be minor and you might need one hose and a seal, but odds are you probably need more than that. So make sure you do it all at once. It's gonna save you a ton of time. It may cost you a little bit now, but it beats having a broken down car that you just fixed uh, a handful of other things on. All right, guys, I'm gonna wrap it up there. Questions, comments, you know what to do. If you like the video, thumbs up, always appreciate that. Don't forget to subscribe right here on YouTube and bing, the notification bell or over on the blog at humblemechanic.com. If you want exclusive content, discounts to places like Black Forest Industries, Eurowise, MT Knives, Sonic Tools, Petrol Box, Prime Sunglasses, which I'm pretty pumped about, uh, and more, check out the crew membership program. Crew members also get access to the VW Audi training manuals that we build for our classes. If that's not your flavor, hit the Patreon that I set up that you guys asked me to do, or the free one, the easy one, hit that Amazon link and use my affiliate link. Buy whatever you're gonna buy, I get a tiny bit of credit for that. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Snapchat. All right, guys, thanks so much for watching. If you're gonna be at Apex, you're gonna be at SEMA, make sure you let me know. I'd love to say hi or come watch my presentations, two of them, uh, on the Apex side at the CRP booth, Tuesday at 10 and Wednesday at 10 a.m. Oh, and I'll also be at the WD40 booth on Wednesday afternoon, most likely, chatting it up there, hanging with some of my buddies, uh, checking out some of the new WD-40 stuff. They got a really cool truck come that they're gonna unveil at SEMA. So uh, if you're around SEMA side on Wednesday, hit me up, let me know, come by, say hi. They're giving away a bunch of free stuff too, so come get yourself some free stuff. With that, I'm out, have an awesome week, and I'll see you again next time.